Hey geeks, welcome to the Initiate Splinter Sequence Podcast. We're your hosts, Chin Lin and Isaac, and we're here to talk about the hit sci-fi time travel show, 12 Monkeys, created by showrunners Terry Metalis and Travis Fickett. And of course, there will be blood. I mean, uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Lots and lots of spoilers. So if you haven't seen the first three episodes of season four, go watch that, then come back and listen to us recap and apparently rant about all the things wrong with it. Yes, ranting. Much ranting will be had. (laughs) All right, let's get started. The first episode... We start off with a flashback to the medieval times where we see a group of people around a fire and we later realize that they are primaries and they were actually the ones who created the Ouroboros artifact or James Cole. We see a bunch of knights who arrive and, you know, they call them heretics and all that stuff and they basically burn these primaries, but they're actually... At least two primaries we saw in the flashback, a father and a daughter. And the daughter was the primary, and she was holding on to the Ouroboros. More on that later. We're back in the present, where Cassie is trying to save... Well, not trying. She doesn't want to save Jones, who is dying, because Olivia had stabbed her. Because Hannah is basically begging for Cassie's help, Cassie saves Jones, and then... Titan reappears. Well, hold on, because Cassie actually makes a really good point here, and I'm I'm sad that the writers let her out of it, but Cassie's like, I'm sorry, I'm not a trauma surgeon, she's really wounded, she's gonna die, there's nothing I can do, and I'm like, yeah, see, that makes sense. Like, I totally get that. There are different types of doctors, and you are not the type of doctor, doctor that is equipped to deal with this situation. And then the writer's like, JK, here, we'll do some CPR and magically she'll be fine. It's cool. We don't want to lose this actress, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, she did hate Jones for wanting to kill Ethan. Right, and I think it would have been cooler if they had let Cassie, let Jones die, and then let Cassie be conflicted and agonizing over it later on in the series instead of just going, ah, JK, I saved her. It's, it's cool. Everything's fine. Nobody learned anything. You can't have time travel without Jones. Um, this Jones has already invented time travel. She can be dead now. Are you done hating? <laughs> yes, go on. <laughs> so, Olivia is back and she's ready to strike. Uh, the team comes up with a plan to splinter basically part of the facility because they only have enough power. It, and uh, the it's means. a mini Titan. It's, they they want to make a mini Titan the end like they're like you know what we how did they now i don't remember this how did they get this giant like reflector beam thing that they had because to me it just seemed like oh yeah we stole this one time from titan i'm like i don't i don't remember that but okay i guess and then you know they make mini titan and just take some of the facility with them i thought that was cool that's good that's a good dampening of their power set I liked it. It just sucked that they left Deacon behind. Well, somebody had to get left behind, especially the guy that was like, oh, a slow and, or a, what was it? A pain, some kind of painful death? 
I like it. And I'm like, yeah, and you're going to be the one on the other side of the beam when this thing goes down. You just watch. And he was. Yeah, I think the actor who played him, I think you, you could, like, see the tears coming out of his eyes. Uh, yeah, when they had to leave him behind. No, he played that very well. Yeah, it was very convincing. He was He was very, very hurt that they left him behind. Though... I I saw as soon as they did that that they were going to have him, you know, die not die and then turn his coat and go against uh the Splinter team under the direction of Olivia. But I don't like it. Not in in that like I don't like it as like I wish he didn't do it. It just seemed like it was so quick for him to go, you know what? Screw those guys. They left me behind. I don't know what he expected them to be able to do. He was on the wrong side of the beam. The rest of the facility was getting torn apart by the other beams aimed at them, which I'm not really sure why that didn't just happen instantaneously, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I don't know what he expected them to do. Like, what? shut down the sequence and then let him pass and start the sequence back up because then they're all dead. So, you know, you're on the wrong side of the beam, buddy. Deal with it. Don't be all butthurt and go all murdery rampage after them. Yeah, but it makes sense considering he used to be the enemy. Yeah, I, I get it as like a writing trope. You're like, ah, he was a bad guy. Now he's a good guy. Now he's a bad guy again. Yeah, way to be Vegeta. It, that's cool. No one's ever done that before. What the fuck is a Vegeta? Uh, Dragon Ball Z reference. Some of you guys will get it. Okay. Sorry, I didn't watch Dragon Ball growing up. We unfortunately also lose Do- Dr. Lasky and Marcus. Dr. Lasky is super dead. <laughs> like he took a bullet to the dome piece. He's done. They're not bringing him back. The team... And part of the facility, they splinter to the Emerson Hotel in what they think is still their time. And we later realize, aha, it's not. Yeah, and as soon as we realize, aha, it's not, I'm like, oh, I see. Because they mentioned that they had to steal the core before, they're gonna have, they're just gonna do an old switcheroo, take their crappy core, put it in for this new core that's there, and then they create their own problem that they have to go murder Spearhead and for and grab a new core. Which, you know, I don't, it doesn't happen in this episode, but it happens. We're getting there. So Cole and Cassie go back to their hotel room in the Emerson Hotel, and they find the Ouroboros drawing that uh, Jennifer had left for Cole. And... Cole realizes that he has seen this drawing before, way back when he was a child, and we saw that flashback scene at the end of season three, where his dad was reading him that story. Or, well, he was reading a story to young Cole, and then they they found that piece of paper with the Ouroboros drawing. I'm pretty sure that story was Wizard of Oz, too, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Wizard of Oz. And then, meanwhile, Jennifer is back in 2018. She's now in Prague. Prague is such a pretty city. I really want to go there. It it does look nice, I guess. But I I actually liked what happened here because the writers really tricked me really well here. So 
they have Jennifer in this like new costume essentially and um she's like being all like secret agent style but then like she's talking to herself on what seems to be some sort of wireless communication thing like you see in the movies and I'm like how is what are we just done with paradoxes like do they not matter anymore except when they need to like what god this is ridiculous and then uh <laughs> it turned she does like these amazing like martial arts maneuvers and everything and does this cool stuff to like steal the Ouroboros from this museum and then it turns out that this is literally just all in her head and she is just the most uncoordinated person just fumbling around into this museum and being very overt and not covert at all in in her actions and it is hilarious and I have to give kudos to the writers here they really got me. So Jennifer steals the same Ouroboros artifact that we saw in the medieval era flashback. Back with Cole and the team. Cole and Hannah are out in the wilderness and they come across, guess what? Old Cole and old Ramsey walking around back to the facility. And present Cole is like, what the fuck? Cole realizes at this point, this is the end of the episode that they had just time traveled back five years to 2043, a.k.a. the beginning. Uh, yeah, and um, I, I didn't see that part necessarily coming. I thought it was possible. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that that was, that that was going to happen, that they were going to end up back there, but... Once I saw, again, like once I saw that they were there, I'm like, oh, that's how they're going to get their time travel powers back is by stealing the core from themselves and then causing the problem that makes them fix a problem later. I mean, it's it's good circular writing, I suppose. It's really smart writing. I mean, they telegraphed it pretty good, I guess. On to episode two. Cassie found an old photo from 1971 of young Olivia when she was arrested by the police. And she's like, oh, we need to go back in time and kill her so none of this will ever happen. But of course, again, there's their time machine is broken. Back in 2018, there is this Interpol detective, Detective Bonham, who is in charge of investigating the theft of the Ouroboros artifact. And I just want to shout out, it's actor Conleth Hill. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, you don't know who I'm talking about. But he's the guy who plays Varys. And when I saw him on screen, I was like, oh my god, it's Varys! I was excited. Isaac was not. I mean, I recognized him, but I call him Varys because I listened to the book first. He's a Game of Thrones book fan. I am a Game of Thrones show fan. Um... Back in 2043, the team have infiltrated the facility in 2043, and they're basically, like, hiding from their old selves. And Jones gets this crazy idea to go to her old self and give her old self some advice about working the time machine. And um, you had a complaint about this, right? How there wasn't a paradox? Yes, Yes, more, and this time, legitimately, there was, a t there's, like, a huge, 
like paradoxy moment and they're like nah it's fine they didn't like touch or kiss or anything so we're good i'm like what how close do you have to be to create a paradox i maybe it's not as prevalent for the humans because in season one we saw older cole with his younger self when he was dying it was like in the later episodes of season one it's when we met his father in the 2015 or 16 present Mm, like they were they were in the same house and no paradox happened mm. and then in season two we saw that that episode with uh jennifer and the team going back to the 80s for that auction for the word of the witness mm-hmm. older jennifer was in the same, same room, room as yeah. younger jennifer yeah i'm saying that they need to really make these uh these paradox rules a little more concrete to the audience because it seems they're too fluid. So Cassie eventually says, okay, forget it. I'm going to go to 1971 and kill young Olivia. Great plan. I like it. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to assassinate somebody who has access to a super awesome time machine compared to your only kind of awesome time machine. But yeah, no, that's it's a good plan. I don't see what else you could do. Except, I don't know, you met her earlier in your own past, and as long as we don't have to worry about paradoxes or anything, just go kill her when she's a little girl in a little box. I don't like how Cassie is so hell-bent on revenge. If we've learned anything from this show, going back in time to kill someone isn't necessarily going to do the trick. Especially if you have incomplete information. Though, at this point, I feel like you've got pretty complete information in that the person that's been orchestrating this whole thing is Olivia, And you know who that is, you know where she is for at least some of her childhood, and then apparently this one time in 1971, like, I'd make all the attempts I could at her life. Also, you know, uh, even in like uh, 2015, 2016, when Olivia shows up to feed you some tea, you know she's going to be there then, there's plenty of time for you to go and kill her, and hopefully not run into yourself and cause a paradox. I'm just saying. So, for the rest of episode two, Cole and Jones are planning to steal what is called the Atom Cell from the working core of that time machine in 2043, so that they can take it back to the Emerson Hotel to fix their broken time machine. Oh, right. Okay. Now, hold on. Because, uh... And I, I guess I didn't get to this. That happened in episode one with the uh, the cooling of the core. Oh, when the core broke down. Yeah, when the, like when they were trying to escape and the core was overheating. And they, I mean, so right now, uh, Jones is all like, I'm dying of splinter radiation, which if it's specifically splinter radiation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give them a pass because... Uh, what I had assumed it was was more of a nuclear radiation from their fusion core releasing a lot of radiation on her as she somehow was able to manually open a thing on it to make it cool faster in which I would ask why isn't that always turned that way so that it's always cooler well it's it's science fiction yeah and they should really look at the science and less of the fiction (laughs) Like, for technologies that sort of exist already today, 
yeah, I, I feel like writers should do a little more research. But we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> Back in 2018, Jennifer is on the run from Detective Bonham, and he finds her hideout, and she she's talking to her imaginary self, the one who we see as the audience, the one in the red wig, and her red, red wig self is telling her goodbye. And she's like, don't forget your passport! And then Jennifer runs out and, of course, forgets her passport. And she leaves her laptop open, looking at times to leave to catch um, a train for Heathrow Airport. So, of course, Bonham finds this out and follows her to the train that she's trying to catch for Heathrow Airport. And then he catches up to her. It turns out he knows about the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. He's like, where is James Cole? And Jennifer makes this crazy decision to throw herself in front of the train that's coming. And I I have no bones to pick with this. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, is she dead? And I'm like, "Mm, they didn't show you her dying for a reason. Because if they wanted you to know she was dead, they would have shown her splattered all over the train tracks. Okay, uh, so apparently I am recapping episode three because, you know, again, reasons. But what we find is that Olivia has been executing elders, which we I think this is the first time we've heard about elders, um, though I guess in any religion you assume there are some elders. She's been executing those who are not faithful. We see one such execution and then they jump us back to 1971, uh, presumably where we're going to get to watch Cassie take some sweet, sweet vengeance in assassination style uh, on a younger Olivia. Uh, they show us Olivia, um, like, stealing stuff with friends and, you, I guess, trying to make her relatable. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Awesome. She's doing regular teen stuff that you would expect from the 70s. Well, from like a seventies prostitute, anyway. Like, I mean, it did. I, I was like, did, did she just get in a car with like a r- rando dude? Like, what? She seems like a prostitute. What's going on here? Um. Anyway, she was using that random dude for reasons we will get to. So the editors do some selective editing to tell you one story uh, about what young Olivia is doing. Um, It seems like she's uh, running from her mother who's trying to capture her and her mother is seemingly stopping at nothing to do that, uh, which lands Olivia in uh, jail uh, in her flight from her mother. She gets picked up by the police, which puts her right in Cassie's crosshairs, but right as Cassie is waiting for Olivia to show up and get her brain splattered all over the place, someone else starts shooting at Cassie, and then in the ensuing gunfight, uh, Cassie is also taken into custody and ends up in a cell next to Olivia, and then Olivia essentially lets slip that she's pregnant and that her mother wants to wants her to do something with the baby that she doesn't want to do, which makes Cassie think, oh, maybe Olivia can be saved and I should probably try and save her. It's the same deal with when she found out her baby was going to be the witness. Right. Uh, so there's some parallelism that Cassie's feeling and she's like, all right, I think I can make it right this time. 
Olivia's mother comes and, like, gets uh, Olivia out of jail, which means she's now back in her mother's custody, and in Cassie's mind, Cassie needs to go save her, and so when she gets out, because they had nothing to hold her on other than firing a weapon in the 1970s, which is apparently totally cool, um, and then accidentally attacking a cop after he attacked her, they were just like, nah, it's fine, you can go. She goes on a murderous rampage at the mansion that Olivia is at, thinking to set her free from a mother that is forcing her to sacrifice a child to the witness. The directors, uh, like, really lay it on you and go, no, she was tricking you the whole time. Uh, She wants to sacrifice the child for the witness because the witness is asked, and her mother doesn't believe the witness to be a true prophet at this point, doesn't believe in the word of the witness and wants her to not do it because she's seen so many people die, even though the witness was supposed to keep that from happening. The resolution comes because uh, Olivia has been, has remembered seeing Cassie in 1971. Now, Now she's in the future and goes, wait, how can that be real? I know she's dead, and she died shortly after losing her son, and she was talking about losing her child, so that means she must be alive. And that's when uh, Deacon, lo and behold, is not dead and is rescued from the wreckage, and pretty easily turns his cloak to go hunt um, the Splinter team, because he's so angry. But also, Olivia finds out that the that Titan is not just an awesome kick-ass time-traveling city, but is also designed to essentially imbue one with the powers of a primary. Um, and that allows Olivia to then go essentially inhabit her younger self and make her younger self black out and really complete a lot of things that need to be completed without other people knowing what happened for her to stay a secret. Um... Yeah, so that kind of sums up the Cassie-Olivia thing. So as you'll recall, at the end of episode two, there was a cliffhanger where Jennifer ostensibly tries to commit suicide by falling in front of a train. She apparently does not, where a super future Cole teleports in with a awesome time travel vest and nabs her out of midair and transports her to the other side of the train platform. She unfortunately leaves the Ouroboros behind. Super Future Cole tells Jennifer to find current Cole, and when she finds current Cole, they end up meeting with the detective who now has the Ouroboros, but he's not a bad guy. He was just part of a long lineage of people that were supposed to protect it and give it to James Cole, and so he does. And then James recites the poem from his mother that his dad read to him at the end of season three to unlock the Ouroboros so that he can get a cloth-woven message inside, which is just a time and a place, a place called Blackleaf and a time May 11th, 1852, so we're going back at least that far this season, maybe further. That's essentially it for Jennifer and Cole. And then the last thing that we see is Cassie returning to the Emerson Hotel, and Cole is waiting for her. Thoughts? 
<laughs> well, I mean, Cole was right this whole time about not pursuing revenge on Olivia. So Cassie learned that lesson pretty hard and clear. <laughs> Did she learn a lesson, though? Or is she just there because she's like, well, I failed, so I'll try again later. Um, actually, yours, your theory makes more sense, <laughs> given what we've seen from Cassie. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking she's just gonna go try and kill Olivia as much as possible. I, I don't see why she wouldn't. So, I'm curious about the time and the location that they got. Mm-hmm. Black Leaf, May 11th, 1852. What time period was 1852? That, that's like, you know, colonial, well, past colonial times, depending on like where you're at. In the United States, you know, it's United States and it's about, I don't know, 15 years before the Civil War. Mm. So there's plenty of like trains and muskets and guns and everything else it's not nearly as far back as we saw in the first episode of this season yeah i was curious about that because the flashback we saw that those were knights on horses so Mm -hmm. i was thinking medieval times in full plate armor yeah so you're talking about like 16 15 1600s yeah you know somewhere around there maybe 17 further back than 1852 for certain so they're going to keep traveling further and further back into the past in the next coming episodes, based on what we're seeing. Yeah, and I think that actually may be how that source of the um, of the plague ends up so far back in time. Is that it eventually ends up being a race to go further and further back in time to try and beat the other team to doing something. So I think that eventually they, like, the teams end up trying to use bigger and bigger power sources to go further and further back in time, and eventually Cole ends up freezing to death in the Himalayas like a million years ago or something. You think he's the source of the virus? Yep. I think he's a carrier, an immune carrier. Mm Mm-hmm. So you think those were his remains back in season one? I do. So is that how we're going to break the cycle? James Cole is going to gonna do something to sacrifice himself? I before? hope he paradoxes himself. Yeah. I mean, that would... So he was very willing to kill one person to save seven billion. The question is, at the end of, the, at the end of everything, will he be willing to kill one more person himself... If he can erase himself from existence, none of this will ever happen. Because he won't be around to go back in time. Like, none of this will ever happen. Will he do it? I don't know. Will that even be a a decision he has to make? Or will it be something else? We'll have to stay tuned to find out. I have one more thing to talk about before we wrap up this episode. The baby that young Olivia has... And basically just abandons at some tree for current Olivia, the current witness, to pick up. Who is the baby? I really want to know. And I hope that gets answered in the next episode. Like, obviously this baby was needed for some reason. For something, right? 
There's two possibilities. Like, is it someone we've met before? Is it... Because she calls it a sacrifice. Is this person going to be sacrificed, like, literally killed for some reason? Well, so I think Olivia knows that she needs Cole to exist. And so I think that this might be Cole's mother. We shall see. Uh, So thanks for listening, guys. 12 Monkeys, Season 4, Episodes 4, 5, and 6 are going to air Friday, June 22nd on Sci-Fi. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and at geekgals.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at geekgalsco. And we're happy to take questions. You can email us at contact at geekgals.co. Until next time!